your homeboy again, Jamir Wilson. I'm back. Me and my boy Zach are back at it again. You know what time it is. It's game time. And on this episode, it's Growing Legacy, Warriors win again. With that being said, the Warriors did it again. The season is over. Steph Curry wins the finals MVP in six games at, at the Garden. And there was a lot that took place. So without further ado, I'm going to hand it off to my co-host, Zach Wright. And I just want to you know, hear your analysis and breakdown of what took place. Well, just for listeners to know, I got my, my Celtics shirt on. <laughs> still, still rocking my squad despite the, um, the, the meltdown, we'll call it that. I don't even know if it's a meltdown. It's more like a uh, they just ran out of gas and got stranded on the highway. But congrats to the Warriors. I just feel like one thing, one thing that kind of happened in, in the series was just the Celtics kind of ran out of gas, really. Like it looked like it looked like, especially in games five and six, that the um, the two previous rounds going to seven games caught up to them. Like Al Horford was done, he was just done. Uh, Rob Williams, it looked like he couldn't play 40 minutes for whatever reason. I guess it's his knee injury. They just weren't letting him play 40 minutes because when he was out there, he was effective. But, you know, the Warriors truly just figured, figured out what they need to do against the Celtics to win the win the series. Draymond Green was uh, looking like some ass water, but he did he did uh, eventually get his triple singles in, a, in an effective fashion versus uh, ineffective fashion at some point. I think he kind of turned around. What was that? Game four? Game five? Yeah, game four. I think he turned it around. But I just think a lot of the Celtics' um, issues resurfaced. Like, just not even the issue this season, just issues in the prior seasons, like the uh, the battle, battle of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, like who's the number one guy. It looked like that kind of resurfaced. And in a, in a way, it resurfaced, it resurfaced in the worst way possible, just considering that. It came to the point where Jalen Brown had to be the had to be the guy because Jason Tatum just had a pretty uh, subpar series, I think, by anybody's standards. But yeah, this showed a lot of their they virtue, a lot of their bad habits. I think they gave away a lot of games to the turnovers. Like I will say, Mir, you were very correct with the uh, point guard weakness. You called that out, and while while it manifests as a strength in other series in, in this uh, postseason against the Warriors, it definitely showed up to be a major problem. And it ultimately was, I think, the thing that separated them. I still stand by my previous statements. I think Boston was the better team overall. Like, I say Steph Curry was, of course, the best player in the series. Then you can go to the next three or four guys. The next three or four best players are probably Celtics. I guess that depends on how you feel about Wiggins. Klay Thompson, I see the face you make it. Klay Thompson is not who he was. And Draymond Green, he was pretty bad in the series aside from a couple of games. But Tatum and Jalen Brown, definitely the next best. And at that point, um, I don't know. Some people feel iffy about Wiggins, but I guess he definitely boosted his stock. But at that point, I guess, what was it? Wiggins was the next best guy. So re- regardless, Boston has had a better – Boston had a better overall team to me. But I think the Warriors did what they needed to do. Steph Curry had a master class uh, final series. He played exceptional. Jordan Poole definitely was hitting some big-time – game-changing shots 
like you know, those those buzzer beaters or those yeah those buzzer beaters you get were very timely and just those you know that's those little things do matter they come up uh yeah i don't know so i don't know man it was a good series the games weren't close but they were all entertaining i kind of just boss wasn't supposed to be there but they got to the finals they put on a good show the future is bright and we'll talk about offseason stuff later but boston's older players who mattered are under contract next season so it got them that this far. I think with some internal improvement, internal improvement, they could probably get there again. But yeah, I guess it's another question we'll talk about later too. Like, what about you know next year's prospects? It's just both teams kind of got had had some lucky breaks to get to the finals. Like, I feel like a healthy Nuggets, I probably took them over the Warriors. Just, I think I feel like they would have took take the Warriors out. Dallas is some shit. Aside from one man. And the Grizzlies showed they could beat the Warriors. I still think the Warriors would have won that series with Ja, but the Grizzlies can, in fact, I think it's safe to say that with Ja, they definitely had a good chance of winning it. So, yeah, just, I mean, that is the story of every postseason, though. Every team gets lucky breaks, but the Warriors did what they needed to do and got the dub. Steph Curry did get his spot on MVP, so the slander is no more. He is now untouchable in the eyes of uh, NBA fans who find, a way, find reasons to hate on him. So that's definitely... Something we'll talk about later too. What are your thoughts on the series? Well, first of all, uh, big shout out to the Celtics. They uh, had a hell of a run uh, overall. You know, despite all the hate that they may have gotten, and even some of the stuff I may have said, they they did have a great run. They got to the finals. They finally broke through after you know getting close for so long. Uh, now. You know, and congrats to Golden State. They got here. They got to the finals. And they were professionals. They did what they needed to do. There were a lot of things in this series that were interesting to me. Uh, Like, first, I predicted Golden State in seven. But, and and I also predicted uh, that Golden State and and, Golden Boston would have at least one win on the road apiece that took place. I predicted that both teams would have a blowout win. I was close. Boston didn't get it done, but I was close. Now, the series flipped after game three for me. uh, Because Boston... As I, as I, you know, as I pointed out, and as you said, their lack of a point guard, I think, kills them because they don't have the guy who, like a Draymond, for example, a perfect example, actually, where he know where he knows, and, and it may look dumb to the regular basketball consumer, but to me and you or someone else who really knows basketball and understands basketball, in his mind, an open shot for him is like, okay, maybe 30%, where if Steph Curry gets the ball and he's running and, you know, even if there's a hand in his face and he's shooting from like 30 feet, he still might have a better percentage of hitting the shot than an open dream on. And he recognizes that and he's willing to give up the ball because of that understanding and 
he's like, okay, I'm going to find ways to get Clay Thompson open. I'm going to find ways to get Steph open because those are the guys that need to be taking the shots. There were a lot of times when things weren't going Boston's way, they got sporadic. They got really, they, they lost their head in a lot of situations. They got turnover prone, as you said, because of the lack of a point guard as well. And they didn't really have a calming force. Like Jason Tatum really needed to be the guy to answer the call in those spots uh, more than anything. Because, I mean, like, you know, obviously there's going to be a lot of talk about his, you know, lack of overall performance and how he got outplayed by Andrew Wiggins. But for me, just specifically, I think that the thing that, would have separated him in this series is him calming the storm in those situations when the Celtics started to lose their head and you could see their body language when they weren't getting certain calls. And then, you know, Al Horford is is chucking threes. Derek White is chucking threes. Marcus Smart is putting threes up and it just all collapsed. And it, and, and again, that, that collapse began, in game four after game three, because after because through the first three games, I mean, Golden State, Golden State should have won game one, but they didn't. So, and and like after game three, it looked it really looked like Boston was a better team man to man, and. That's what they, you know, they just imposed their will in the first, you know, couple games or so. So I'm just like, okay, Golden State might really be in trouble. But then they settled in, and uh, you know, Steph Curry, Andrew Wiggins, and Golden State's defense rose up. They created turnovers, and they capitalized in key moments. Uh, and Another big thing to me, I think the other big key here, which I also mentioned in the previous episode, which would play greatly into Boston's ultimate downfall and demise, is their play at home. They've been grotesque at home the entire playoffs. And, you know, with the exception of one half, Golden State dominated Boston at the Chase Center. And in Boston, with the exception of one game, was dominated in their own building because game six, they were dominated. Game four, it was back and forth. And the only game that I really had a good one at home was game three. So, yeah, overall, just all the things that have plagued y'all before and the lack of, you know, Jason Tatum stepping up in the end to me really separated the two teams and you know I think also as you said the you know the lack of attrition was unfortunate for you too because Rob Williams was great and and he definitely made a presence especially at the rim but he couldn't play enough so you saw a lot of Derek White and Grant Williams and uh Derek White struggled so it you know just yeah there's a lot of a lot of a lot of things that ultimately led to your demise. Yeah, I think that this series, what it came down to, to me, because like why I did, well, you know, why I do feel Boston was better. You know, I had talked like I wouldn't be surprised if Warriors won. Like both teams are very good teams, 
But what this series came down to is who's going to execute. If Boston executed, they were going to win because they, they had a little more uh, top end than the Warriors did. But the thing that didn't happen is Boston. Boston just didn't execute, essentially. They just – I don't know how to explain it other than, they, other than they folded. Like game four, like you said, that was a pivotal game. They had the lead, and then they just – like what was working that game was their Jalen Brown was getting to the basket, getting quick buckets – just um, pretty much every time he drove in this series, he scored. I don't know if you noticed that. Like he had the ball, he drove to the basket. If he was, if it wasn't like a strip or something, it was two points. But what they opted to do was chuck three after three. Al Horford missing threes, Tatum missing threes, Smart missing threes, White missing threes. Like just not, they just did not execute. They weren't reading what was happening. They weren't making the right choices, and it led to them losing. And then in game five, uh, I remember <laughs> I don't know if you remember the one play Tatum drove down. And got a, it was like Draymond and Steph or something. He just did like a, a, a like flailing reverse layup and like was begging for a foul when it was very obviously clean defense. In that moment, I knew I made the wrong prediction. That was when I realized Boston is not winning this series. Because that was just like, that just was, that's one of the problems with Jason Tatum that has been like a thing throughout the years. And it looked like he got over that. And this series showed, um, just showed a lot of the, a lot of issues with the Celtics in the last couple of years. Just reared, reared its head, its heads, I should say. <laughs> like another player, Marcus Smart was like driving in and try to draw fouls. He threw like a like a turned around like shot at the rim. Like he's backwards, just threw it at the rim, and it was or I don't know what the heck he did with it. I don't know if he's trying to pass or what. And um, yeah, it was just I'd say the only Celtic who didn't disappoint me at all was Jalen Brown. He had one bad game. But otherwise, he, he did come to play. He was the best player on the team in the series. And I just don't understand. Well, I do understand, I guess, after watching what happened when they didn't play drop. Like, the drop defense on Curry was a little, like, I feel like it could have been – it took them too long to adjust. And then when they, like, forced – then when they just stopped dropping completely and were just switching it, Curry was just decimating them. I feel like there was definitely a way to play that. Like, they had it figured out. Like, you know, when the screen comes, the big switches – then the guard, like the guard falls the big for a little bit and they rotate and get their matchups back. I know Kevon Looney is not like an amazing finisher, so I don't know why they're playing him so damn hard. But I just don't, I just don't understand, bro. The one game where Steph had like the, the 44 points, he he just went ape shit that game. That's whatever. But I feel like Boston just definitely didn't do what they needed to do. And I hope they learn from they will learn from it. They have to or just going to run to the same issues again. But, um, yeah, we'll say some Warriors did shock. Like, Andrew Wiggins definitely went, went uh, beast mode in game five and six. Yeah, Andrew Wiggins, to me, he was, like, he was definitely the X factor of the series. Sure. Not only his offense, but his defense. He was terrific playing defense on Jason Tatum. Like, not, you know, enough people – can't say how well he played on Jason Tatum defensively mm-hmm. and it it's kind of shocking because and, and almost ironic in a way because and I mean it kind of jumps a little bit into you know what else we have to talk about but like legacy wise in terms of what Jason Tatum was on pace for in my opinion this would have been, in, in my estimation, the best single player, I guess, run 
since Dirk in 2011. Because if it would have been better than that, actually, in my opinion, because you 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 slay KD as the best player on the team, you slay Giannis as the best player on the team, and then you beat Jimmy Butler and win a Finals MVP, and you you you're a good series away from a championship and a Finals MVP against a dynasty, right? And to to come up short with your matchup being Andrew Wiggins is kind of like, damn. (laughs) Boy, went from bust to champion. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it just, it just sells this run so short. Mm Mm-hmm. It it almost reminds me of and the, and the funny the ironic part is I haven't even seen this show but I feel like everybody and their mom has talked about how how you know off the ending was it reminds me of Game of Thrones. It's like the first several seasons were terrific, and then collapse at the very end. Yeah, why did you end this way? Yeah, that, that collapse. It's just funny. Like you said, he was one good series away from having one of the best single singles player runs in a minute. Because uh, I have a strong feeling if Tatum had a good series, Boston would have probably won one or two more games. And oh, if he won two games, yeah. they won a chip. Like, hell, hell yeah. It's not old Tatum's fault because Tatum can't – although he although he did have like six turnovers a game, he can't account for – the fact that Boston averaged like 18 or 19 turnovers as a team, like it's not all on him, of course, mm-hmm. but Absolutely. a great performance from him. If he could have matched Jalen Brown's production, I think Boston's chances are significantly better. Oh, 1000%. I think that yeah, if he matches Jalen Brown's production, I think they almost certainly win the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't see how they don't win the series with J- the way Jalen Brown was playing. Because uh, Jalen Brown took on the challenge of being guarded by Draymond Green, and he played terrific. Right. Pretty, you know, pretty much uh, almost every game. So, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it just, you know, it's it's a shame. But for me, I, I, I would say that this, this series and how he performed, it gives him, I think it would give him the motivation or it could potentially give him enough motivation to go as far as winning an MVP next year. Yeah. Something big like that, because I think that it is just such a letdown. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like to have performed so well, and you know to have like he was on cloud like he was really on cloud nine and boom to Andrew Wiggins. I just think it's a shame because like even without Middleton, I still feel like the Bucks were the hardest challenge Boston had this postseason. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with Middleton at this point with Middleton, I just I just feel like the Bucks were the best team when the playoffs started. They were the best team. Mm-hmm. 
And to have to beat the best team and then lose in the fashion in which they lost. Because, I mean, while the Warriors did win it, to me, a lot of it felt like Boston beating themselves with just foolish play, questionable decisions. Like, you know, like you said, it's a letdown. But – and the sad thing about it is, like, one thing that's, like, I always find interesting is, like, um, people are like, oh, Boston's going to be back, Boston's going to be back. But <laughs> – we were all saying that thing about saying the same thing about Cam Newton, and dude is now <laughs> a free agent. Like, you just don't know. When you get the opportunity, you need to capitalize. You never know, especially in the NBA with like the the salary cap and money money talks. You know what I mean? Certain contract and Alwerfer is getting older. Um, Boston's main players are all under contract, but if they don't get back in like next two or three years, things are gonna change. And that opportunity could be um, a one-time thing. You just don't know. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And the thing is, uh, well, for, for, for all those who don't know who Cam Newton is, that was a football reference. But uh, anyway, yes. Yeah, I barely know who Cam Newton is. <laughs> I don't know. I watch the damn NFL. <laughs> my, 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 like, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly because I feel like that the thought of we can run it back, we can spin the block, we can come back is such an overrated mentality, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. because, you know, we'll be back because you have to think about all the luck and fortune that it takes sometimes to get you there. Unless you're just flat out the best team in which most cases you will you will have already won at least one. Mm-hmm. You won't have to be on some old, we'll be back. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, it's just, it's, that mentality is, is, is not a good one to have. Mm-hmm. Right, because next season, Denver's going to be healthy. Clippers going to be healthy. Odds are Middleton will be will be right there next time. I can't imagine that's being this bad twice. Like you know, just um, the Lakers. I don't know. Apparently, <laughs> let's not talk about them. They are. Uh, I I feel so bad for LeBron James, but anywho, but I just I mean, don't know. And, and, and that and, and that whole situation might be getting a lot more interesting too in, in like five minutes. Right. <laughs> If you appear because because of, of the whole you know Kyrie Irving mess, which we won't even which, which we we can we talk, we could touch on in a little bit, but yeah that that could that could swing a lot of power in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of moving parts and components and a lot of people who are on their way back, and a lot of a lot of people who are going to spend the block along with the Celtics. And the Warriors. Yeah. So just that talk of we'll be back is just, or I mean, like, or that talk of like they'll be back. Like, of course, the players should be saying that. If you're not saying that and you're a player, you actively are not, you know, you, why don't, why wouldn't you believe in yourself and your ability to get You're back? quitting. You're quitting on yourself yeah. if you don't say that. Right. Yeah. But for like, you, you just, the fact of the matter is you just never know. Yeah. For all intents and purposes, yeah, you, you, you really don't know. And the thing is, you don't know if one of your players is going to go down. So right. it's like, 
you know, anything can happen. Literally. Shit, the, the Rob Williams played every other game, basically, for <laughs> three rounds. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, it's just – that's just one example. Like, they're just – there's guys are going to get hurt. But, yeah, you know, the fact of the matter is the Warriors did it. No matter all, the, all we can talk about luck and this and that, all we want, they got the chip. And Steph Curry, he did it. He got the finals MVP. He was on stage crying like shit. <laughs> but he got his finals MVP. <laughs> and with that being and with that comes a lot of legacy talk. So Mir, how do you feel about Steph Curry and how has this impacted his legacy in your mind? That is a terrific question. And I feel like it's a question that I almost want to say is loaded, but it's not because I feel like the NBA historians and everybody who's everybody is going to have an opinion on where he should be. And everyone's going to have a different kind of opinion where more NBA historians will lead, you know, lean towards him being maybe a top 15 player as opposed to a top 10 player. And they'll, they'll cite guys like Bill Russell and Kareem and Wilt and Elgin Baylor or, uh, you know, Oscar Robertson and guys like that um, as maybe your top 10 upper echelon guys. And so with that being said, it's tricky. Me personally, I think that he has moved right outside of the top 10. I think that, like, and, and you know, we, we kind of touched on it via, you know, text. And you talked about how you felt that when it's all said and done, he'll be a top 10 player. I think this puts him at number 11. If he wins another ring, I think that he's a sure top 10 player. And if he wins two more, I think he'd be he'd be knocking on the door of top five. At, you know, at the most. So I, I think he, you know, I think that his peak potential could be maybe number six. But I think. Right now, he's like number 11, maybe number 10. Okay. Yeah. I've come to realize that all this top 10, top 15, top three, blah, 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 all that is all arbitrary and ultimately doesn't matter. But for the sake of, um, but it does help categorize things, I guess. So in that context, I want to, challenge your idea that his peak is six let's say he does get two more rings that's six of them things if you get six rings i think you're if he gets six rings i think he's automatically just you have to consider him top five at that point like six rings he might be over magic at that point bro i'm sorry there's no way you can't tell me he's not because like he'll probably get one more finals mvp at that point if he were to get two more rings over he gotta be over magic at that point and then I know we talk about over text and it, it is like debatable, but 
while I feel I feel like he might be if there's anyone in the league right now who's close to getting an untouchable record, it's him with the three-point shooting. Because the the while every, while there are a lot of players matching his volume, there are very few. There is none that can match that match his volume, in addition to his efficiency and difficulty of shots that he takes. Like the closest we had for a stretch of time was Harden. But obviously, we all knew the Harden wasn't as accurate, but Harden definitely was hitting the difficult shots. However, I just feel like Steph is no one's there's like for the last how many years straight has he been the number one uh three points, three points made or three point shots made? Aside from if he got hurt, of course, but that doesn't, I guess, I mean, that counts in the record books, but like we all know what happened there. He's been like up, like pretty high like up there with three points made since like the 2014, 2015 season, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And he's made the, I think he probably has the most, the top three season, single season, um, three points made. I think it's three. Yeah. I don't remember for sure. I don't have it on my hand. I'm not going to say or look it up mid, mid episode and waste everybody's time. But yeah, the fact of the matter is he's not done. He could realistically play five more seasons of just absolute just sniping. He's gonna pass four thousand threes made. Probably gonna pass four thousand five hundred. And um, I guess when we were talking about in Texas, the closest player who's playing now who's young enough to even contend is like Trey Young. But Trey Young is not accurate. He just shoots a lot of threes. He's not accurate at all. Luca's not accurate at all. Um, Buddy Hill's accurate and he shoots a lot, but he's not gonna hit that many threes. So I just feel like, at least as of right now, the record's probably safe for the next, the next 15, 20 years off rip. And at that point, you have to start questioning if anyone's going to touch it at all. Because, like, the game keeps evolving, game keeps changing. At what point, at what point is, like, like what's the next strategy? You know what I mean? Like, three points aren't going to, three-point shots aren't going to die out. But, like, you know, maybe, maybe uh, it, it might get curved. The amount of threes getting taken might get curved at some point. It's like you know, back when once upon a time, no one would you would could never tell anybody that like um taking taking you know lay, lay, that layups is like the thing you should look for all the time. Like a lot of players are now like kicking out two to three point attempts instead of looking down at the big man rolling to the paint and shit like that. So that's just like something that you wouldn't have expected once once upon a time. So you just never know how the game's gonna change. But yeah, I feel like. If he gets two more rings, definitely top five at that point. And there are people who think Magic is, like, number three. And I think if, if he gets two more rings, he's over Magic at that point. So I, I don't think he's touching Braun and Jordan, to be honest. Like, that's – he just, like – there's just certain things that they do that he just can't do. And that has, to be, that has to be accounted for. But his resume now has no blemishes. Not a one. The one time he lost, his man's was hurt. <laughs> his whole team was hurt. It was him and the scrubs. His, yeah. I will say those two rings with Kevin Durant, I think, are going to still hold as you know, as an asterisk. When you when you go 73 and 9 and then you, you know, 
And when you go 73 and nine and then add probably the second best player on the planet, you know, that to me, that to me would probably be the biggest, I guess, stain. Yeah. See my memory, my, my, my memory slipped. I forgot. I wasn't thinking beyond uh, 2019. Mm -hmm. That to me would be the biggest stain on his resume that and giving up a three, one lead in the finals. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That was embarrassing. Those two, those two moments will hurt him. And I, and I mean, this, this, I, I think definitely helps you forget a lot about a lot of those, you know, those two moments mm-hmm. or those two things, but those two things to me are the only reason why I would say maybe six. Okay. And I mean, I could see five, you know, potentially, but those two big things for me, are stains. And I mean, like anything that Steph Curry does at this point is hurting Kevin Durant. It's hurting <laughs> Kevin Durant's legacy. I don't think so. I think it's just I think so. I don't know. Shit. It, it now looks worse because the team that he left, so they won a championship before he got there. Went to another finals and won 73 games before he got there. We're a game away from winning the finals before he got there. And then when he leaves, they win another championship. Yeah. In a very short span of time. It's yeah, it's crazy. You're not wrong. But um, since we brought up 2016, I just want to mention that Kevin Love locking up Steph Curry is probably my favorite defensive possession ever oh yeah that was bad <laughs> that's that shit. inspiring stuff right there oh it is it it, it it tells you that anybody can you know all right any anybody can can do what they put their mind to all right that was just like one of the moments where it's just like the man just roasted the occasion and mm-hmm. did, did, did what did what, what what some would have thought was impossible unlike jason tatum yeah, Tatum. Uh, he sold. He sold against against a, a quote unquote bust. Mm-hmm. Although I wouldn't say Wiggins was a bust in my personal estimate, nah, but I don't think so. I don't think but, so. Dude was dude was averaging like twenty points a game. I, I don't think a guy who could score twenty a game is a bust. All right, if we're, if we're just talking like uh, you know, if we're going down slender slender avenue, that's what people are gonna do. Yeah, <laughs> like that's that's just gonna that's gonna be the one one of the things on Tatum's resume when he when his career is all said and done. His first finals, he got locked up by a bust. Yeah, but you know, I guess there are some basketball people who think Wiggins is really trash, but I don't think so. Like you said, twenty a game is is something. Yeah, you it it, it twenty scoring twenty points a game is not an easy thing to do. All right. No matter who you are, and I mean, well, no, I won't say that. It's easier for some than it is for others, but it is not a generally easy thing to do. And to his credit, he was on the Timberwolves for a while, right? So a lot of a lot of the basketball he played didn't matter, All right? Like we see, we see, we see, um, Cat now <laughs> as someone who stayed on the Timberwolves. Oh, Boys are clown. Oh God! Don't bring up Big Softy. <laughs> He's soft. And he just does like when he's kissing goodbye to the crowd, bro. I just couldn't. I couldn't <laughs> hold it in, bro. 
<laughs> like, what are you doing? You sold. You should be walking back to the locker with a towel on your head, bro. Yeah, so he should have came out after hours and started putting up some shots. Boy, sold crazy. Yeah, bro, he bad, bro. I don't even want to talk about that, man. He, I want to talk about him as much as I want to talk about the Lakers. Right. <laughs> oh, and I don't want to talk about either of them. <laughs> okay, but I have a question. At what point? At what point do we do we say um, do we ask ourselves? And this is not my belief. I just have the question. At what oh. point do we ask ourselves? Is Steph over Curry, um, Kobe? Oh, we are we, we are already asking ourselves that. Okay. Uh, to, for me, I mean, I feel similarly. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't say he's there yet. Agreed. But he is knocking on that door. In fact, he's looking at Kobe. Yeah. He's looking up, but he's looking at Kobe for right. sure. He can he can see him, right? Because um, you know those two MVP stuff got. Although I do feel like one of those was James Harden's, uh, twenty fifteen to be exact. Um, right, right. The one right. the one was unanimous. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. That one that one was obvious. No but one I do believe, that. No I one do will agree. ever do that. I. I do agree his first MVP should have been James Harden's. Yeah. James Harden's stand account. Not, not, not a stand, but I just think James Harden should have three MVPs at this point in time. Mm-hmm. But that's neither here nor there. I just I don't know. I just think at what, what if Steph gets one more, I might have to put him over Kobe. <laughs> Ain't gonna lie to you. Oh, yeah. If he gets one more, he's definitely over Kobe. At that point, at that point for me. Yeah, he's over Kobe. I think that he rises to like eight or something or like seven if he gets a ring. And I mean, again, it all just depends on your perception, who you have where, and all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, because like, you know, every uh, there's just a lot of people have Kobe at three. And while I'm not one of those, oh no, 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 I just feel like to, I just feel like to do that. You weren't actually watching enough of the basketball games that were on your TV. Yeah, you kind of just are enamored with the name and the Black Mamba and right. you know, just you know, all, all everything the lo- the lore of Kobe Bryant, right? But the exactly. basketball player Kobe Bryant, as great as he was, and he was terrific, but there's levels, yeah. and I wouldn't say he's. I don't think he's top five. I agree. Top 10. I don't know if I'm yeah. taking him at five. <laughs> he damn sure top 10, but I don't know about top five, though. We're going to lose a lot of listeners on that one. We're going to lose two of our 12. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Bro, 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 go down to 10. It's okay, though. Uh, yeah, no. Shop because we choose to stay after the after – the, that's not even slander, but <laughs> – yeah, That's not slander, yes. Yeah, to, to say that someone is not a top five player – I don't think it's slander, like, because right. I feel like it's so subjective. I feel like there's only two players in the world where if you don't see their top five, it's kind of disrespectful, and I and that's Michael Jordan and, and LeBron James. Respectfully, I think those are the best two players that have ever played. 
And then I feel like you can mix and match everywhere else. I mean, personally, for me, I have Kareem third. That's just me. I like that one. And the number four, you can really, really mix and match. Season is now over, though. What's a highlight for you? What's a low light? Ooh, highlight and low light. Uh, my, my, my highlight, for the, the highlight for me was parody again mm-hmm. uh golden state and it's, it's, it's kind of funny that it's, it's it's funny and ironic that golden state won this year because at the height of golden state's power there was absolutely no parody in the nba there was about five just even good teams in the nba where i feel like now there are several good teams in the nba um they dominated like, you know, Golden State dominated an era or a time span, a few years where the NBA wasn't competitive and it wasn't really fun because of the lack of competition per team, per player. Now, there are so many good teams in the NBA. And with the play-in, there's more to play for. I'll say that. So just parity, overall parity, you know. And competitiveness and and the fight that these teams have it's it's exciting because there's so many teams now that believe even going even carrying over into the offseason there are so many teams with the belief that if they make the right moves in the offseason they can compete for sure and there's so many teams with promise that you know didn't have a player and i guess it'll kind of that'll kind of roll into my low like just just the players that we didn't get to see this year you know in certain spots like Chris Middleton against the Celt- against the Celtics. That would have been fun to watch. Um, Lonzo ball against the bucks with the bulls. That would have been fun to watch. Paul George in that one game against the, the Pels. Right. Like just those, just again, the injuries, like, and it, it, it happens every season, but, you just hate to see the top teams or some of the top teams lose their most important players and not be able to have them in key spots, especially against other great teams. So I, I would say that's my low light. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that overall this was a terrific season. I'm excited right. to see what goes on. I guess, I guess I'll throw in mine real quick. So my highlight, the young upstart teams that, just came out of nowhere and turned it up. Grizzlies, they were fun. I was a huge Cavs fan this season. I'm not gonna lie, that team was mad fun. I just wish they actually stayed healthy in the playoffs. Would have been more fun to watch than. Well, I'm not gonna say that because the Nets. It was fun watching their demise. The slander on Twitter was great. <laughs> just quality content every every game. But um, the Cavs would have been. I think they would have been a little more. Uh, put up a put up a, put up a better fight. I don't know that that team and that honestly then that's where my disappointment. But um, other young other young teams to shout out real quick the Hornets. I just want to see them get in the postseason just one time because uh, I'm big on watching, big on Lamelo and Miles Bridges. Hopefully they can um, get a center. Any young teams I'm missing? Oh, the Raptors low key were, were they're not really young, but Scotty Barnes is young, so and he's probably going to be the best player on that team next year. So I was calling yeah. the young team. 
I'm trying to think here. A young team. Uh, Boston. They're young overall. Overall, yeah, Boston. They were um, a shit show for, for two and a half months, but suddenly they were good. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, yeah, I guess that kind of – that's the gist. But uh, the Nets for my disappointment, just from start to finish, this foolishness, they're just such a far cry from the Nets team that we will, that we will learn to, uh, to enjoy. Like back when D'Lo was an all-star and Spencer Dinwiddie was – Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like there's such a far cry from that now. They, re- they remind me of BoJack Horseman, right? <laughs> like <laughs> just like, like, you know, like the – the quality family friendly content turned into this uh just this shit show media nightmare yeah it's it, yeah you know it's everything Kyrie Irving touches i'm crying goes to shit i'll tell you all about Kyrie <laughs> that brother that, bro, that young black brother i love him but oh god well, i love his game but my goodness does right. he does he have a way of messing things up i'm not going to lie it wasn't even just him. It was just Harden. And I don't know what part Durant played in it, but obviously it's like Durant's GM skills are uh, kaput at this point. Yeah, and then and then on top of that, to have, you know, Steve Nash with no coaching experience on the road, you know. Right. Like, why? Yeah, it's a, it's an absolute dumpster fire right now in, 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 in Brooklyn. And they have Ben Simmons, which that's – that's meme inducing in itself. Yeah, that picture from round one where Rob, where Rob Williams was like the game he came back, he was putting on a uh, Drummond's head, and then Benson's to stand there in his like clown fit. Mm-hmm. That is just like that was really the story of the Nets season right there. <laughs> yeah, it's just a just mess. A guy who rushed back to help his team win while um this dude who's not playing for you know reason X, Y, and T, not saying they're not valid. I'm not saying his reasons aren't valid. But he's not playing, and he's just watching his team get decimated. Yeah. Now, I do believe that Brooklyn will be back for sure. I agree. I think that they're going to figure it out eventually. Mm-hmm. I think at this point, it would just be better if they just let Kyrie go. If they they found a way to get get him out via trade, because I think that they have a point guard and a facilitator and a great defender in Ben Simmons. All of that in Ben Simmons. You have Kevin Durant, who many would argue is the best player on the planet. Personally, I would argue a little differently, but that's just me. Um, So you have those two components. You have some role players. Honestly, I think they need to weed out a lot of the older guys and the washed-up guys that they have. Right. But yeah, I think they can they can definitely build on Ben Simmons and Kevin Durant and ultimately find something that can get them a chip. That's a solid core. Kevin mm-hmm. Kevin Simmons. He and Kyrie Irving as a trade piece. You can get yeah. you can get a hell of a lot for Kyrie. Yeah, it's not looking like it's not looking too good. Have you seen the wire? Hmm? Have you seen the wire? What do you mean? The TV show, The Wire? No, I have not. Oh, you got to watch that, bro. Quality content. But um, after the Nets thing came out, Kyrie posted a, a meme. Or no, it was not even a meme. Just a, a picture of a character from The Wire named Brother Moves On. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> and Brother Muzan, uh, like, yeah, I'm sure you've heard of Omar from The Wire. Mm-hmm. Brother Muzan is like, he's like Omar, but just, he just like, he's just another dude like that, essentially. I don't want to ruin the whole show for you, essentially. Mm-hmm. He's, all, he's also, he's also a one bad dude. You don't mess with it. So mm-hmm. that Kyrie posting a picture of him is not looking too good for that Brooklyn situation. I mean, to be fair, like to be fair to them, I feel like I would just want to get out of that. Like I feel like it's just toxic. Mm-hmm. You, you're you, he was the main dude trying to get everybody onto that roster. Y'all got James Harden and Kevin Durant for y'all to wind up playing a total of sixteen games together, and y'all have seen nothing but the second round or and, and you know like y'all saw the first round this year i got swept in the first round so i would move on from Kyrie if i was the nets if i had the opportunity if the right package presented itself i would do everything in my power to get him out of there right so yeah i think they'd be just fine without him because they were they're capable of having a top seed without Kyrie Irving last year because of vaccination status. So I think I think they'll be okay. Now, in terms of the postseason, right? Mm-hmm. And the off season, we we've we've passed the postseason, the off season. Is there anything specifically that you're looking forward to seeing unfold outside, maybe outside of what we just talked about or if you want to expand on what we just talked about? Off-season-wise? hmm I mean, we kind of jumped into a bit with Brooklyn. That was what I planned on bringing up, but it's just kind of one thing led to another. I'm just curious to see how just the teams that were close but not quite there yet this season – how, how they respond. Like with Milwaukee, we, you know, they traded DiVincenzo for Serge Ibaka, who didn't play. And it's very clear that they needed some help on the perimeter. So how, you know, how are they going to answer that? And the Bucks are funny because they, they often, not often, but it seems like every other season they, they do a really good trade that advances the team or a good move and a really odd move that just kind of sets them back. Like a, one, a previous one was Bledsoe for – for what's Bledsoe and Brogdon, they chose Bledsoe over Brogdon, which everyone but them knew that was the, the bad choice. But mm-hmm. yeah, so I was interested to see how how they bounce back. Like um, Milwaukee or Miami this year, excuse me, Miami. Uh, Kyle Lowry just got washed throughout the year. How are they going to respond? Dallas, they got really far with uh, not a lot. They now like we talked about it when they got limited. They now have the system in, in place, but um, you know where do they go from here? How are they going to respond? Um, in Phoenix, you know, the eight in situation is going to be very, very interesting how that plays out. Um, you know, all the all the NBA nerds that listen to their podcast, it seems like eight is in fact going to be somewhere else. So yeah, just teams like that, just how do those teams that you know that had a had a great shot this year or you know made some or were surprised this year, how do they, how are they going to respond to uh and Philly too? Like, you know, Philly, if things broke even, I could have seen them going to the finals. But um, yeah. How are these teams going to come back and retool around their otherwise great, great base? 
Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, I, I I agree with that. I, for me personally, I want to just see the Sixers, honestly. I want to see what the Sixers do. I am praying that they finally do two things this offseason right away. Number one, sign a heart and soul kind of player. P.J. Tucker is set to be on the market, and I would love to for him to be in a Sixers uniform because he would add leadership and toughness, which is something that we are greatly missing. And also trading Tobias Harris finally. I would hope that we will. I mean, not not having Danny Green as a trade asset kind of hurts us a bit because of his injury. But if we can get two role players and maybe a pick or something, like two good ones, because, like, for example – the Mavericks just got Christian Wood with much less than what we have to offer still. Right. Like they, they got they basically got Christian Wood for a box of cookies. Right. So if I can get Tobias Harris out of here with along with the 23rd pick that we were fortunate enough to keep, we can get something done. Our treatment. I knew Matisse too. <laughs> he, he's looking like he's looking like a bad investment at this point, bro. Yeah, he is. Um, yeah, and I want to keep Matisse because of his defensive prowess, but at the same time, he hurts us so much offensively that it just it kind of damn near negates anything he does defensively. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like even uh, we seen this you know, to bring it back to the finals real quick. We've seen this postseason, uh, Draymond, as great as, he, as great as he is on defense, if you're nothing on offense, you are, in fact, hurting the team. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he wasn't – his most useful – his most useful self in this playoffs was – or this uh, finals was when he started hitting threes all of a sudden, which each one crushed me, by the way. <laughs> we did not mention that. Each three he hit was crushing. But, yeah. I don't know. I don't got anything else to add, bro. You want to call it here? Mm, yeah, I don't really have I don't really have much else to be completely honest. I think that you know this was a terrific NBA season. This series tied it up very well with a bow. And to be honest, I think the next season has the potential to be even greater. Sure. Thanks for tuning to Game Time. This is Zach Wright again, coached by John Ray Wilson. Another NBA season complete. We've now done two of these things. So, you know, get a little experience out here or whatever. Come on, follow us on at GameTime underscore Z and J. On Instagram at GameTime underscore podcast. And on Facebook at GameTime with Z and J. You can keep up with the social media stuff, you know, the posts. Just find out when episodes drop, all that good stuff. Might have a meme or two here and there. So you want to uh, listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, all that just stuff. We're there. But yeah, it's been fun NBA season again. We'll have some off-season content for you all. Uh, can we talk more basketball on game time?